This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's the Now News Panel on AMI-tv. I'm Dave Brown alongside Juita Gupta and Michelle McQuig. Let's get into the next topic. Manitobans are headed to the polls on October the 3rd. The provincial election campaign has focused on health care, economic growth, tax cuts, and in the last couple of weeks, a sense of reconciliation. Maybe not by name, but it's come up between the lines. The temperature has been Mm -hmm. turned up with attack ads in the last few days. Polls show that it's a close race with a few days left. However, you know how I feel about public opinion polls. Progressive Conservative leader Heather Stevenson and NDP leader Wab Canoe have been crisscrossing the province, rallying support. Joita, what has your attention in the Manitoba election? I admit uh, it kind of took me by surprise that this was happening uh, in in October. October 3rd is right around the corner, and I just realized that everyone has been gearing up for this provincial election in Manitoba, and I I seem to have dropped the ball on it. Uh, Sorry about that, Manitobans, anyone listening? Uh, (laughs) But with that said, this is a really interesting election for me for a couple of reasons. Of course, if the Tories uh, win the election on October 3rd, I doubt a lot will change, uh, but it would be the first time that a woman becomes a premier of Manitoba. Hedda Stephenson took over from Brian Pallister about two years ago, but didn't actually win an election. Um, so this will be the first time that there that the that should the Tories win, that we might have a a woman premier who is elected outright. And on the other hand, if uh, the NDP takes office, then Wab Kanu would become, I believe, Canada's very first Indigenous premier outside of Nunavut, which is also a very province. exciting development. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, it should be a really exciting election to watch just in terms of just the people who are uh, who are the front runner, who are sort of foregrounding the conversation here, but also some of the issues that have come into play. Uh, we had a story out of Manitoba that we talked about on the panel uh, some weeks ago, I want to say about six to eight weeks ago, uh, about uh, searching a garbage dump for the remains of uh, some missing Indigenous women. And it's been very interesting to see how that story has also come into play during the campaign. Mm -hmm. So we could certainly spend some time talking about the issues and make a couple of predictions, if you dare, about the outcome (laughs) on October 3rd. We can definitely engage in some predictions. Uh, Michelle, I I think it's been pretty clear from the NDP's point of view, from Wab Canoe's point of view, really the first couple of weeks of the election campaign, hammering health care, just hammering health care as one of their key uh, goals as a party to open up more clinics, hire more employees, improve long-term care, really hammering the health file. And then on Heather Stephenson's end, the Progressive Conservative Party, talking a lot about changing the tax structure in the province and focusing on economic growth. So those two things early in the election stood out to me. But Juita did mention the story of the search of a Winnipeg area landfill for the remains of a couple of Indigenous women. It has been a flashpoint story bubbling below the surface. But in the last week, that's really come into focus uh, as, as Manitobans are heading to the polls. 
It really has. And I, I'm with you, Dave. That's the that's the one that I have found the most fascinating, that the NDP healthcare stuff is interesting. They also want to call a public inquiry into the handling of the COVID-19 pandemic, which would be uh, quite interesting on a number mm-hmm. of fronts. Mm-hmm. But the, yeah, the, the, prairie, the Prairie Green Landfill Hunt, uh, I think you might have been off the week that we took this on. I believe it was Alex and Joita and I who thrashed this one out, because I do find this issue really interesting. And to me, it's it's astonishing that a, a sitting government would take out an ad in a paper saying we are not going to search this landfill. They've been very clear on their position in the past. They are, their arguments are, are largely based on the fact that there are limited odds of success for searching this landfill and the cost is prohibitive for doing so. But that message has clearly not let, resonated with the electorate. And now they're literally digging in their heels and taking out ads explaining why they're not going to be doing this. That is a really unusual move for me. It's put wind back in the sails of people who feel differently, that they feel this this landfill ought to be researched. Uh, there was a court injunction put in place a couple months ago to end a blockade, but the blockade is now back. Clearly, this is an issue that does galvanize people, mm. and I'm really interested to see the way it's, it's playing out. And I'm also struck, not just by the way the conservatives are handling it, by, but by Wab Canoe's effort to mm. kind of defuse it a little bit politically and saying, uh, that's really interesting that the Tories here are trying to make this issue touching on the lives of real people into a political matter. I'm sure he would do the same thing if he was a sitting government, but it is an interesting tack to take at this moment. Yeah, Joita, I found this evolution in the election campaign to be quite interesting, especially in the context of tomorrow being the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation, especially in the context of Heather Stephenson previously saying, I don't want to mark that as a statutory holiday inside the province. Mm-hmm. It's the kind of thing where the ad that they took out this week they probably thought was a calculated opportunity to get their base passionate but it may have left a distaste in a lot of voters who would have preferred not to be thinking about that going into the polls oh undoubtedly i mean i think they're really trying to batten down the hatches as it were and 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 you know dig in their heels and pander to their base um but Beyond that, one of the things that's been really interesting is it just is is hearing how much the economic side of the argument has been coming into play. I mean, one of the reasons why the sitting government said that they would not search the landfills is because of the $10 million cost associated with doing so with very minimal odds of success. Uh, even though Wab Canoe is more willing, should they form government, to conduct the search, it was also very interesting to hear that the NDP is also saying that they're not going to try and they're going to try and cut down the cost. So they're going to look into the expenses and, you know, make sure it's not taxing the public purse. It's quite an interesting argument to see that both the NDP and the Tories are really trying to uh, play to the, the, are both trying to sort of establish their positions, but also taking a view that they don't want this to become prohibitively expensive. So the economic arguments are are really interesting to to think through in in terms of this particular issue. The other one that was really surprising for me actually was the um, the fact that the Tories have made as part of their campaign, and this has been getting a lot of publicity. Uh, the privatization of alcohol sales uh, has been really oh, yeah. front and center in their campaign. And I I don't know. I mean, on the one hand, you've got the NDP talking about building roads in northern Manitoba, and you've got the NDP making all these promises about healthcare. And then on the other side, you've got the Tories saying, you can have 
alcohol for free or you can have alcohol not for free but you can have alcohol you know inexpensively available and we'll have alcohol available in in a lot of other places and you have to wonder if they're taking a page out of the Doug Ford playbook and the old buck a beer <laughs> thing because you know I don't know if that if that kind of thing tracks with with voters but it has been very interesting to see how much prominence the the sale of alcohol has been getting in in terms of the Tories campaign it's, it's a meat and potato issue there's no doubt yeah. about it although in my experience walking around Winnipeg it's uh, not too difficult to find a liquor store maybe not as easy <laughs> as Calgary but not too hard uh, <laughs> M- Michelle uh, Heather Stephenson has been critical of the federal government I wouldn't label her as combative with the federal government what do you mm-hmm. think the federal implications are depending on the results yeah, I don't think this is going to be massive. You, you're right. Heather Stephenson is no Daniel Smith or Scott Moe. She's or, or pre-pandemic Doug Ford constantly having a go at the feds. It's not like that. So I, I, if she were to remain in power, I suspect things would just carry on as, as they were without a, a whole lot of acrimony. Wab Canoe, I suspect, would be able to forge a bit of a stronger relationship with this administration. But that could get quite interesting in a couple years' time if the federal fortunes change and we wind up with a conservative government that would right. be deeply opposed to Wab Canoe. So I suspect that the full implications of this won't really become clear until the sec- the back half of whatever government forms on on. Tuesday, I think this election is. Yep. Um, assuming they form a majority, I think it'll be in the back half of the mandate that we see the full implications. And of course, that is another possibility that we might not wind up with any kind of majority government, in which case everyone's energy is going to be concentrated on trying to keep the lights on and the ship afloat at home right. and trying to probably limit federal engagement as much as possible. <laughs> uh, Juita, I'm inclined to agree with Michelle that there's a lot of moving factors to discuss federal implications, but even if uh, the progressive conservatives are re-elected, I don't perceive too, too much of a shift. And even if Wab Kadu gets elected, the NDP gets elect- elected, I'm not I'm not imagining a gargantuan shift in the relationship. As I mentioned, Heather Stephenson uh, was sort of the, the key spokesperson on a lot of the healthcare deals that were struck earlier this year. And, and although she was critical of the feds, there was a pretty good working relationship that existed there. Yeah, I, I don't see a seismic change either. I mean, um, the... Uh, you know, Heather Stephenson's uh, campaign does say that if they're if they are re-elected or returned to office, then they will challenge the federal carbon tax. So that might be a, you might see a little more acrimony on that particular file. But I suspect the things will chug along much as they always have. I would be very interested if, however, um, the NDP does end up forming government and what canoe becomes the next uh, premier. I would be very curious to see how this might affect. Um, reconciliation efforts uh, across not just, of of course, in Manitoba, but also whether this would have any bearings on on federal reconciliation efforts. Uh, That that would be something I would be curious to see. But I think in the main, I don't suspect that even with an NDP Manitoba government um, on Wednesday morning of next week, we're not going to see a a seismic change there either. So, yeah, I don't I don't see a lot of ripples being formed. I uh, I have told you guys before, I do not trust public opinion polls. They tend to skew a little bit uh, left of center. I have no idea why they do, but they continue to skew a little bit left of center. If I was going to predict an outcome, I'm thinking probably a small majority or a minority for the progressive conservative government. Michelle, oh. I know you're in the uh, business of not making predictions. Uh, come on, come on, though. Yeah, it's just between All you right, and me. I'll, no one else I'll, is I'll, yeah, I'll... 
Okay, good, good, good. Cover yours, everybody. Um, I am going to go with NDP minority. Hey, I actually right. think that there's, I, I suspect the appetite for change is there. And if even in this conversation, I had the thought of if someone was going at me over healthcare matters or tax structure, which one's more likely to engage my attention? That good point. Well, well laid out yeah. by Michelle. Okay, Joey, the last word goes to you. If you had to make a prediction, who you got? I think I'm going to go with Michelle as well. I think the NDP, uh, most likely a minority, but, you know, I would, I mean, the polls might even, uh, the polls are saying they're doing quite well, but I would hesitate to say that they might get a majority. After all, if you look back to what happened in Alberta, the NDP was doing really well huh. in the polls, but clearly that didn't materialize yeah. Yeah. on election yeah. day, so... Also, also, the notion of a province-wide poll and the distribution of votes across ridings uh, is an entirely different yeah. conversation about electoral <laughs> reform, and I keep promising you that one day we'll talk about it, but not today. Thank you both for your thoughts on this one. Coming up after the break, two big tech companies are facing antitrust lawsuits south of the border. The panel will explore the implications. This is the Now News Panel on AMI-tv. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.